This is Howard Anderson, Managing Editor with Information Security Media Group. Today we're talking with Elise Ames, a principal at HIS Professionals, which provides IT consulting to healthcare organizations. Thanks so much for joining us today, Elise. It's a pleasure to be here. The final rule creating certification standards for electronic health record software that qualifies for the Medicare and Medicaid incentive program spells out a long list of security capabilities that the applications must include. Do you think that many of the electronic health record systems for hospitals and for physician groups now on the market already have many or most of the required security capabilities? Or will the vendors have to add many new security functions in a hurry to qualify for certification? Well, I think that most of the security capabilities specified do exist today. And the vendors have known about these since, you know, the IFR for certification was published in January. So, and, and also the, the the technology aspect is not overly complex in many of them. For instance, encryption, this is established technology. So I think that you know, any vendor worth their salt are going to be able to add the functions in time to qualify. So the effort to certify uh, HR software is slated to begin in the next several months. Do you think uh, most will be able to um, add those functions uh, that they lack by year's end, or might some of them wind up partnering with security application vendors to add any missing functions? Well, I think that depends, Howard, on how the vendor generally manages their operations. There are some of our HIT vendors which are primarily engineering-focused companies. Those companies will be building every every bit of code to, to meet the certification requirements. Other companies, you know, have a history of partnering with other vendors to get a complete product. So I think they're, they will pretty much follow what they've done in the past with that. I don't think that partnering with other companies will be a necessity, but I think it certainly would be an option. The certification standards state that record software must be able to audit not just who has accessed an application to make additions, updates, or deletions, but also those who accessed it just in read-only mode and did not take any action. Is the capability to do those kind of audits now rare in clinical software? No, I don't think it's rare. I think because of the HIPAA privacy requirements that that capability has existed for a while. I spent a number of years as a privacy officer in a hospital um, and I was involved in several privacy and security investigations where I needed to access the audit logs, um, and you could see who had opened a record. So I think that most of, if not all of the vendors, have the capability to make an entry in the audit log on read-only access, or if a, you know you, don't, you have write access, but you just pull it up and look at it and then close it. So I don't think that's going to be a problem for them. The software certification standards require access controls and authentication be offered, but they don't specify which ones must be used. Do you have a prediction on what forms of access control and authentication will be most commonly offered in EHRs? Well, I think that the good old username and password is going to persist as the most commonly offered. The EHRs may provide requirements for stronger passwords um, and may do some add some additional security around automatic expiration of passwords, which, by the way, is not required uh, for certification, and I, I don't understand that, but I think that's going to really be the baseline, and the, and the NIST uh, test scripts talk about that, you know, create a, a new username or number. So it's very, very loose, 
I do think, though, as use of clinical systems it becomes more ubiquitous, there's going to be more of a demand for technologies that make access and authentication easier for the user. So maintaining security but not having the user enter, you know, a 10-character password and, you know, get logged out 15 minutes later for inactivity and enter a 10-character password again. Clinicians, in, in my experience, you know, they want to take care of patients. They're not going to want to spend time re-entering passwords. So we may see more use of technologies, perhaps like biometrics or single sign-on, that make it easier. But I think underlying, I don't, I don't think the technology for access control at this point is going to require any big reworking from what's been offered for years. Should those acquiring electronic health record software or upgrading to a new version of the software ask to test drive the security functions um, before they make their decision on what to buy? And what other questions should they ask the vendors? Well, I think they absolutely should be asking the vendors questions about the security functions and other functions at every single point in the life cycle, say, of their procurement and their upgrade. So if an organization is looking to purchase an EHR, they should be asking the vendors from day one, first of all, to demonstrate their security capabilities and to explain them. Secondly, to provide the actual user documentation, a system administration manual, which, which describes how security is implemented, how encryption is implemented, you know, what, what, uh, how many bits the key is and all that stuff, and, and look at that documentation. Then I think as part of implementation and testing, validation of the security uh, functions is going to be absolutely necessary, and we always, HIS professionals, recommend a post-live acceptance period of up to 90 days where now you're really validating the software as it's being used in production in real life. And you can test it and you, you withhold a portion of license payments until that acceptance testing is satisfied. You know, and also in regard to validation of, of the security capabilities, there are some of them like, say, the, the secure hashing algorithm, which are kind of difficult to test. I mean, the, the NIST uh, test procedures, the test scripts really call for the vendor to supply a lot of documentation about how to test that secure hashing capability. I don't know if end users will be able to test to that degree, but the good thing about this whole certification process is it is going to create documentation about the vendor's capabilities by an independent you know, certifying body, which hopefully will give the users some comfort that software does what the vendor says it does. So I think absolutely, test driving at every stage, also when talking with references before buying software, calling other users, asking how the security functions work, how well they work, you know, what type of testing have they done, would be very useful. Okay, well thanks Elise. We've been talking today with Elise Ames of HIS Professionals. This is Howard Anderson of Information Security Media Group. Thanks so very much for listening. <laughs>